You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast on the topic of lacerations over joints in field settings with Dr. Philip Van Hereveld. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement, along with my co-host, digital editor, Carly Sisson. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Merck Animal Health. Van Hereveld, DVMMS, DACVS, Large Animal, is a senior equine professional services veterinarian for Merck Animal Health. He received his Doctor of Veterinary Medicine from North Carolina State University in 1996. In 1997, he completed a one-year internship in equine medicine and surgery at Kansas State University. After developing a strong interest in equine surgery, Dr. Van Hereveld completed an equine surgery residency as well as a master's degree in clinical sciences at Kansas State University. In 2001, Dr. Van Hereveld was certified by the American College of Veterinary Surgeons in Equine Surgery. Prior to joining Merck Animal Health, Dr. Van Hereveld spent more than 20 years founding and operating Vermont Large Animal Clinic, an equine field service and referral hospital near Burlington, Vermont. Thank you, Dr. Van Hereveld, for joining us today on Disease Jour to talk about lacerations over joints and field settings. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy to to be on the podcast. Dr. Van Hereveld, can you walk us through how you address a laceration over a joint or tendon sheath when you are on a farm call? So when you get called and asked to evaluate a horse um, that has a laceration, having you paying close attention to making sure that that cut or that laceration is not over what we call a synovial structure, which can be either a joint, a tendon sheet, or a bursa is very important because horses are very prone to joint infections and they can be life-threatening if not handled correctly or if they linger for a period of time before treatment is instituted. So that is something that we always pay a very close attention to. And when you're called out and you look at uh, an injury, and it looks like it's near a joint or a, a synovial structure, let's say. Walk us through, give us an example of what you might do for that particular injury. So usually when we see those injuries and there is a potential joint component, we sort of start the initial process of, you know, sedating the horse, giving it some pain medication. But then we will prepare the wound by clipping the edges and disinfecting the wound the best we can but we pay close attention to evaluating if that joint has been compromised or not. And one of the best ways to do that is to actually, if possible, find an area where we can put a needle in the joint and pressurize that joint with fluid and see if that fluid comes out of the laceration. And if we are able to establish a communication, then we know that that joint has been breached and needs to be you know, uh, addressed during the treatment process. And when you're um, evaluating it, is there any certain uh, type of a medication or you talked about disinfecting it? What do you like to use? Because there's so many things out there that really aren't good for wounds, especially if they are connected to a, a, a synovial structure. I think that's a great question. And I think every time you treat a fresh wound, especially you want to be as gentle as you can. So what we tend to use is what we call physiological saline, which is a, you know, something that you can also give IV. So, you know, it's very mild. 
And I personally like to use uh, iodine scrub on those wounds. We do need to make a distinction. There is iodine solution, which is very caustic that you should not put on a wound. And this iodine scrub, which is a medical soapy solution that you can use to clean those wounds. That's a very good point and a nice reminder if some of our uh, vet students are listening in today. Um, so once you have uh, diagnosed if there is a penetration into one of these synovial structures, then what should a veterinarian be looking for? Then the key is to be aggressive up front. I feel that, you know, we hear a lot about horses having a poor prognosis if they have a joint infection. But the thing to remember, if you have a fairly fresh laceration that just occurred, you don't have an established infection yet. What you have is, you know, um, a breach of the joint and a contamination of the joint. But if you get aggressive, in treating these cases with strong antibiotics right away, and especially lavaging the joint and cleaning it out best you can. And that way you actually prevent the establishment of those infections. So that early stage where you evaluate the wound and you determine that there is a breach of the joint and you get very aggressive, the prognosis in those cases can be fairly good actually if you do that. Okay, and when you are working um, with one of these, let's say that's in a major joint, a knee or a hock, um, yes. wire cuts. I mean, I live out west, and you know that's the bane of our existence out here is horses getting wire cuts or getting caught in cattle guards, and it's a fairly large uh, injury. So how do you how do you help owners keep those clean, and what are the points you're doing as a long term treatment on these as they're healing? So I am a big advocate when these lacerations occur and the ones that you are referring to can be quite catastrophic, actually. I'm always surprised how much damage smooth wire can actually cause to these horses. You would think that, you know, it should be not as invasive or traumatic as other lacerations, but smooth wire can do quite a number on these horses. But I am a big proponent to try to close these wounds after you address the joint and clean everything as much as you can. Suture them closed. And sometimes you don't have enough tissue to do a complete closure, but wounds tend to several days after the lacerations occur, there's a process called contraction in which the, the wound tries to get smaller. And it is important to close the wound, even if it's not perfect, as much as you can so that you can minimize this contracture event and you actually gain a lot of time in the healing process on these horses. And after the these horses have been sutured up, a lot of times we will put them into really stout medical bandages. And if we don't want the joints to move and rip the stitches, we might even apply, you know, external casts over those uh, bandages to try to keep the mobility of the joint to a minimum and preserve, you know, the, the suture job that you did as much as possible. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Banamine, Flunix and Meglumine injection from Merck Animal Health. The pioneer NSAID for horses in the U.S., Banamine goes to work quickly to alleviate pain and inflammation from musculoskeletal disorders and visceral pain from colic to horses in your care. Don't get caught on call without Banamine. Find out more at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. Do not use Banamine in horses intended for human consumption. The effect of Banamine paste on pregnancy has not been determined. See product label for complete safety information.
Well, those are some uh, really good points. Um, we talked about prognosis earlier. And a lot of times when a veterinarian says, oh, my gosh, you know, it's it's in a structure. I mean, I watched my mare walk in from the field one day and I could see synovial fluid coming out of her injury where she had gotten caught in a neighbor's fence. And I was just in a panic. So how do you how do you determine a prognosis on some of these injuries? The prognosis really comes down to timing. So, you know, what allows joints to be so functional is where the ends of the bones meet within the joint is cartilage. It's a very smooth, slick surface. And once cartilage gets compromised by infection, then you're really looking down, uh, you know, a very poor prognosis. But if these lacerations just occurred, or even if you get to an infection within a day or two and you're very aggressive about it, I think the prognosis tends to be better than what people think. And I, I always fear that sometimes veterinarians, you know, when they get faced with a severe laceration or an early joint infection, that mentally they sort of go down the path of discussing with an owner a poor prognosis. And I think you need to be careful not to be too negative and discourage owners from trying to treat those horses. So if you have a fresh cut and you're aggressive, my tendency is to think you're going to be okay and actually you're going to end up spending more effort on healing the wound than having a joint infection, you know, and if you have an early infection and you are aggressive right away and not too conservative, you can get ahead of those infections. So usually when you're pretty aggressive, the prognosis can be as good as 85% in those cases. Wow, that is a great prognosis. Yeah, I, I mean, again, that was early in my career and I just almost had a meltdown when I saw the injury. But fortunately, the vet came in, she's like, it's great, cleaned it up really good, put the proper bandaging on, kept her in a small area so she wasn't moving the area quite as much and, you know, checked it frequently. And, you know, if if there are any horse owners out there, this is not your vet trying to make farm calls. Believe me, they have enough to do. They really need to check on this to make sure everything is healing properly. So just just to help the the horse owners that might be listening to us today. Yeah. So do you want to talk about how you can train your clients to recognize when these wounds near the joints might require veterinary attention versus when they might want to wait a few days to see what happens? Yes. Yeah, so I would say that the majority of times when it's unless it's a small nick somewhere that is away from a joint, um, I think it's ideal to take a picture of that laceration and send it to your veterinarian because nowadays everybody has a phone and that early communication is very important because we might look at that and say like, hey, I don't think you need to do much about this. But there are areas of the horse's legs where the difference between a skin nick and a joint infection is just two millimeters or less than a quarter of an inch. So sometimes that tiny cut can be in a very strategic location and it can be disastrous. So I always think that to be safe and sort of relate back to your veterinarian, even if it is by emailing or texting a picture is important. That's some good advice. Um, so I know that when when you and I had started working on this, you had some take home points that um, that we had talked about. So could you maybe go over a few of those? Because I thought they were really good. Yes, I think that, you know, especially when you're dealing 
um, with something that involves a joint, there's sort of this protocol that you should follow, right? And I, every time I teach these lectures on joint infections, I remind veterinarians and even horse owners, you know, um, get to, you know, get to these problems early. Um, look, do a physical exam on these horses, then sedate these horses. Um, you know, give them pain medication. You can give them banamine or phenobutazone, and then clean the wound really well. Um, determine if the joint has been breached or not by tapping the joint. If the joint has been breached, then you want to lavage the joint. Then you want to suture the joint closed. And you also need to evaluate if you need a drain or not. A drain can be very helpful in these type of lacerations. Then you want to apply a proper bandage and you want to use a potential and external cast if needed. But there are also scenarios where, you know, sometimes a horse can get entangled. So there are also sometimes that a horse might get entangled in wire, like you said, and you don't find the horse till the next day. And then there is a large amount of swelling around that joint. And you might not be able to tap the joint because you don't want to put a needle through infected tissue into a healthy joint. And then as a veterinarian, you create the infection. So we do have some new techniques that we can use, which are called regional limb perfusions. So sometimes initially, if we can get into those joints, we can put a tourniquet above and below a joint and then hit a blood vessel and actually inject a combination of fluids with antibiotics in it and sort of saturate that whole area with antibiotics for like 15 to 20 minutes. And that really makes a big difference. And it will allow you often in a few days to get the swelling down again, and then potentially you can tap that joint afterwards. But sort of following this protocol, you know, especially when it includes the use of strong antibiotics, such as penicillin and gentamicin right away, it really can make a big difference. And that is great. And you had mentioned when we were talking before, I mean, determining sepsis is important. So where does the like the the serum amyloid A or SAA, as we've talked about a lot in the recent couple of years, I mean, this has become a very powerful tool. It has. So the serum amyloid A, um, if you, for example, if you have a fresh cut, that number is going to be low, but you can follow that several days after the laceration has occurred to monitor if sepsis is ensuing in these joints because a neat factor with SAA is that it's very predictive for joint infections. But the nice thing is that blood levels of SAA rise faster than if you run the SAA in, on the actual joint fluid. And they tend to both peak at 36 hours. So what I do often, if I have a joint infection to begin with, SAA is very predictive. Um, especially that horses can have life-threatening infections with a normal white blood cell count and no fever, and the SAA sort of becomes the reliable number for that. But I also can use it that if you have a horse that has an infected joint with a high SAA, you can monitor those levels over two to three, every two to two, three days, and then you can see if your treatment is working. If the numbers start to steadily go down, it will eventually go down to zero, and that ensures, you know, that your treatment protocols are working correctly. Well, and that's a, a really good tip. And is there anything else that you would like to add? I mean, I know that you lecture on this and we could talk about it all day, but is there anything else for our vets and techs and students that you might want to add? I think that one thing would be to 
not get overwhelmed by some of these lacerations. I think that these protocols um, that we discussed sort of follow that same rule, no matter how disastrous something can look. Um, but I also think that sometimes phone a friend is a good thing to do. So if you have a friend um, that, you know, might be a surgeon or a seasoned practitioner, or if you have a hospital that you tend to refer cases to, it's okay to send some pictures and reach out to someone and say, hey, this is my plan. This is what I have done. And they might give you some more advanced recommendations. They might say, for example, you know, this is a pretty extensive wound. Maybe you want to take some x-rays as well of the joint to make sure that there's not some bone damage that has occurred during that trauma, you know, or you might want to do an ultrasound of the collateral ligaments of the joint to make sure that there's not instability associated with those joints as well. So sometimes if you do have the sense that, you know, it is a pretty overwhelming injury, um, it's okay to reach out for someone to give you some extra advice. And that can be very well, that is some great advice to end up today. So thank you very much, Dr. Van Herveld, for joining us today on this episode of Disease Du Jour. And a big thanks to our audience for listening to the podcast. And a special thanks to our 2023 sponsor, Merck Animal Health, who actually gives us the opportunity to have these discussions. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com.